best of frenemies with Dermot and Dave. With thanks to Heineken, proud sponsor of Heineken Champions Cup and official partner to UEFA Champions League. Enjoy Heineken responsibly. Get the facts. Be drink aware. Visit drinkaware.ie. Hello and welcome to Best of Frenemies with Dermot and Dave with thanks to Heineken. This is the podcast that explores the fun side of sporting rivalries throughout the years. So let's get into it. I'm so grateful that Dermot and Heineken have given me a podcast where I can abuse Liverpool for episode upon episode. This is not this is not the whole point of this. This is we're gonna go far wider. This isn't just about your soapbox about how much you hate Liverpool fans. Oh no, that's harsh. Now look, hate. I mean in fairness, the only reason we have our show together is that I can represent everyone who isn't Man United <laughs> on the national airwaves the thing is you and don't... rip the almighty you know what out of you when Man United and Ali mess up, which in fairness happens quite a bit, Dave. Think about it though. You don't need to do that. I know 100% that when Man United lose at the weekend, which they do <laughs> regularly enough at the moment, I'm facing nothing but dog's abuse from the second I get into the studio in the morning. It's like, text, 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 text. Every Liverpool fan is out. Even if Liverpool were not had anything to do with Manchester United that weekend, I'm but getting it, abuse. I mean, it also happens in our building. Um, I mean, our sports guy, Phil, massive Liverpool fan, never lets Dave away with it the minute he comes in the door he's waiting for you yeah. he pounces he does and you know what it's not just football either uh, GAA does have its place and the rivalries that go on in there every day we go in Cahill who works on our radio show mad Tipperary hurler so passionate as all Tipperary fans are and all Irish hurling fans are um, I'm obviously a Limerick man. Yeah, so you have the high ground right now. So Carl is, is overtly displaying his tipness because you just keep going, sure, we're after winning all the All-Irelands. What are you talking about? I know, but even when we won the Munster final, I put on my Ireland jer- or, or my Limerick jersey and I come in rubbing my hands together waiting to see Carl's face. He took the bloody day off. <laughs> he knows what's up. That's how scared he was. Well, listen, you think that I, it was an accident that there was a bank holiday the day after Man United lost 5-0 to Liverpool? <laughs> I, I had it all you, planned You out. went back in time and planned that one. I knew exactly Marty, we've got to go back to 1985, Marty. <laughs> we've got to get the bank holiday put in. I didn't know Jimmy McGee was in Back to the Future. I, I think you'll find a Ian Paisley. <laughs> one or the other. <laughs> Uh, well, look. Back to the future says no! <laughs> We're going to explore all of the sporting rivalries. It will be football, it will be hurling, it will be rugby, it will be everything. Today oh, it yeah. will be athletics. I can't wait for the rugby part as well. You're obviously a Leinster boy. I'm yep. a monster man through and through. Um, and, you know, I guess I don't have much to slag Leinster about because they just keep winning. Uh, that's a tough one. Actually, let's not do that one. No, we'll, we'll definitely absolutely do <laughs> Guys, that Guys, cut that bit out. <laughs> Fix it in post. Uh, we have loads on this episode to keep you excited and entertained. We're going to give you the chance later on to win a 65-inch HDTV plus €100 Euro for your favourite takeaway so you can enjoy the UEFA Champions League in absolute style. Uh, yeah, just imagine watching Man United lose on such a big screen. <laughs> Although, in fairness, you'll just be watching Ronaldo slamming in last-minute yeah. clinchers. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm absolutely okay with that. <laughs> um, speaking of rivalries, we will speak to somebody from my favourite League of Ireland club, Bowes. And if there's any Rovers fans watching... You can just head off now, like, you can head on. <laughs> so we'll be talking about something really cool that Bowles are doing, a great club uh, for the community. We'll be doing that in a little while as well. But we should probably introduce you to our guests that we're going to bring in today. 
Absolutely. Our first guest is a former Irish football legend who is particularly remembered by fans for scoring two of the most important goals for Ireland ever, which resulted in 1-0 victories over England and Stuttgart at the 1988 European Championship and Italy at Giant Stadium at the 1994 World Cup. Mr. Ray Houghton, footballing legend, welcome to the show. Hey! How are you, Ray? Yeah, not too bad, boy. How are you? We're very well. We should introduce you and everyone else to our other guest, who is a, an Irish former sprint hurdles athlete. She competed internationally in the 60 and 100 meter hurdles and is the Irish national record holder in both events. Uh, you'll also know her from being on your TV screens every Sunday as one of the coaches in Ireland's fittest family. It's Dervil O'Rourke. Hi, Dervil. Hey! Lovely to have you on the podcast, guys. Obviously, this is about frenemies. It's about rivalries. Uh, Ray, let's start with you. Was your biggest rival at Liverpool? Was it Everton? Was it Man United? Who was? What was the big grudge game for you? Yeah, I think whenever the uh, the fixtures came out at the start of the season, the one that you looked for the most was Man United, because uh, at that stage, United hadn't won the league. Was it since nineteen sixty-seven? Round about then. That's right, Ray. Round about that time. <laughs> So it'd been a long, long time, and we were trying to make it even longer. Uh, so now they were our big rivals. Obviously, Everton being uh, red v blue in the city of Liverpool was always important. But I think from the players' perspective, whenever we seen the Man United games, they were the ones that you were looking out for. I've got to tell you, lads, I didn't enjoy playing in them. Really? I didn't enjoy the match. Oh, no, not at all. Why was uh, that? You know, Too intense? Uh, because uh, normally, and even the Everton games, you know, the first 10 minutes, uh, you didn't see the ball. You were too busy kicking each other. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and, and it was back in the day where referees allowed, you know, the centre-backs and the defenders a few kicks at the, the attackers. And then they would waggle his finger and say, that's your last one. <laughs> he nearly, bro nearly broke his leg, but that's your well, last one. Ray, isn't it interesting that, as you said, Manchester United hadn't won the league in so many years, but yet... That was the fixture you looked and then looked at. And then if you think about it, in the 30-year gap between when Liverpool were winning in your era and then when they won again recently, it was exactly the same for Manchester United, who were winning all the time, still wouldn't look for Chelsea, wouldn't look for Arsenal, wouldn't, it would be straight away, where's Liverpool on the fixture list? And that rivalry just transcends success for either club. Well, what, what it comes down to is if you look at these two clubs and you look at world teams, you know, teams that... You know, you can go take anywhere around the world. These are the two of the biggest, certainly, in uh, in England. I think Celtic and Rangers have got that sort of thing about them as well where people like to watch them. But certainly, when you look at uh, England, they're the two world teams. You know, I know Man City have come through in recent years and you've had Chelsea as well. Uh, Everton was there for a number of years. But the two outstanding teams and the ones, I think, that the world took notice of when they played is Liverpool and Manchester United. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what it's always been for, for, for so many years. And, you know, it was about when they hadn't won it for 26 years, Liverpool had the gloating rights. And then when it was the vice versa and <laughs> Manchester United were winning and Liverpool didn't win it, win it for, was it 30 years? You know, Manchester United, uh, were, the fans were taking the mick out of the Liverpool fans. It was a great rivalry. Yeah. But just as I said, not a great game to play in because of the intensity of it. I'd say the Liverpool players enjoyed the last game uh, where they won 5-0. I'd say that was... 5-0 at Old Trafford is probably one of the games they really enjoyed playing in. I'll tell you what, I've never seen a game so one-sided. You know, I mean, usually uh, unusual. You know, whenever I play, I think we beat Man United once at home when I played 4-0. Uh, Peter Beardsley scored a hat-trick and I think John Barnes got the other. 
But I'll tell you now, it was never a 4-0 game. Yeah. United missed quite a few chances in that game. Played very, very well. I remember like, Laurie McMenemy, the former Southampton uh, manager, was actually doing the cool commentary on the game. And he says, I've never seen a game like it. He said, with one team ending up winning it is comfortably in the scoreline. And yet the other team have put so much into it and got nothing from it. And Whereas when you looked at that 5-0 game, Liverpool were just so far ahead in every department, essentially. Yeah. Well, we took the... I've got to say, you know, after they went 5-0 and Pogba got sent off, Liverpool were just game managing in it, you know, just passing the ball around, retaining possession. They didn't really look like they wanted to score more goals, apart from Sadio Mane, who came on as a substitute. And obviously he was double eager, if you like, to try and score another goal in the game. You know, in fairness, Paul Pogba never looks like he wants to score a goal. He looks oh, like he, he wants to be in a restaurant oh. having lobster uh, or something. How dare you? Uh, Derville, um, you're obviously, you know, one of our, you know, more favourite sporting heroes. You're a Cork sporting hero, but there's another Cork sporting hero that comes to mind. Peter Stringer was always very famous, and I always admired him for his hand trips. He he was unbelievably able to catch up with someone and just flick their ankle, <laughs> and they would go head over heels. And I wonder, was there ever anyone on the running track that you would have loved <laughs> to just instigate the Peter Stringer hand trip and just send them flying. The old Peter Stringer ankle tap. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So when I was when I was young, like and I like I was starting out in athletics, there was this amazing Swedish athlete, Susanna Kalor. So when I was like a junior, like an under 20, she was world junior champion and she was everything I was not. Like I was freckly from core like <laughs> not technically not very good not very fast she was like Swedish so she was gorgeous she was technically amazing she was so strong like all the things I wanted to be she was like there representing them and and she kept winning everything when I was underage and I was so far off the pace underage so I was like, oh my God, this Susanna Kalor girl. And like my friends used to know about it. They'd be like, Kalor. <laughs> and then um, the, year, the years went on and like, it was like where I was kind of there and she was much higher. I was slowly like bridging the gap because I was like developing and getting stronger. And, and I still wanted to ankle tap her throughout the whole thing. <laughs> but eventually, 2006, World Indoor Championship. I won and it was the first time in my career I beat her and she yes. was her. Yeah. And I remember, I remember she was so happy. She was third, of course she was, because like a global, a global medal. And I was just, and I had won the whole thing. But in my head, I was a little bit like, I got color. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really sure she, the grudge match was only in my mind. So like, well, I'm, nothing about it. I'm thinking about like Ray was talking about the intensity of a game, you know, at Old Trafford or Anfield. And Gary Neville famously ran the length of Anfield and pulled up his shirt badge or whatever and got in a lot of trouble with the, with the Premier League for doing that. But were you tempted when you beat Kalur in the world to so just turn around in her face and go, ha! and rave the tricolor at her or something? We would have loved to have seen that. Yeah, no, uh, yeah, there, I I did have a temptation. I actually, it's funny, like, it's so different in different sports, but like in track and field, that kind of intensity is different. So like when you're in a start, like, so you're in a call room for 40 minutes. So you're in a room, like size of my living room for 40 minutes with the girls you're about to race for like a world title, European title. And then you're on a start line, all of you just standing there. But 
there's all these moments that happen where things come in that afterwards people look back. And I remember I had a thing in 2010 where it was for a European title and the favourite was this German girl, Carolyn Nitra. And she walked up to push down her hurdle to practice the hurdle before the race. And I don't feel like I did it on purpose, but some people claimed afterwards that I did. I, just, I remember putting my hand up and just motioning her to do my hurdle too. And um, someone was in the stand from the Irish team and just said the look that she gave me, like, how dare you? Like, <laughs> ask me to do your, like, it's, you always do your own hurdle. Yeah, yeah. But she did it. She did my hurdle. Um, and I beat her by two hundredths of a second. Oh, yeah. so, you got inside her head. So yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you, may, you may not know this. I mean, maybe you do know this because you're you're obviously a student of the game. As you probably know, I was a hurdler in school. You're, we talk about it. You, I'd say you say you and, and Clore are just constantly going. Do you remember Dave Moore in in school? Yeah, he did. He did the hurdles once, right? But there was a guy. He used to paint them. <laughs> I, I used to knock them over for the real athletes and then pick them back up again. No, I genuinely, I loved, I loved the hurdles. Loved the hundred and ten meter hurdles. But anyway, there was a guy in another school from I think he was in Ross Cray, and he was the best guy. He was my Clore all the way through. And in one, he, we eventually came to a, a meet in Santry in Morton Stadium where everyone who does athletics in Ireland will know that's where you go. That's the cauldron. And I was like, he's in my heat. The guy that I've heard about, the guy, the record holder. And I smashed him in the heat. I, like, I was like, I'm through to the final. And the guy, he wasn't even as fast as I thought. I mean, at the final, he just, he was just jogging in the heat. He obliterated me and everybody else and was standing at the end with his hands on his hips, wasn't even out of breath going, you all right there, lads? You were like, oh my God. I don't remember his name, but he was clearer to me. Derville, be honest, is it, is it still difficult to shop in Ikea? The Swedish connection. <laughs> I would never support Ikea. <laughs> yeah. Everything, every, and like, it's so funny because I, ha I had like so many things through the years. She, the year after I won the world indoor title, she broke the world indoor record. <laughs> I was like, why are you mocking me, Lord? Why? Every year, year on year, were you mocking me? Um, I used to actually Google her name to see what was going on. Was oh, wow. Crazy. Yeah, because like I would have had her like at European level and that's a big thing. But anyway, I don't think that she has spent as much time thinking about it. I've just realized what athletics is missing. Okay, track and field needs a kind of, you know, the boxing or the, or the MMA pre-match showdown mm -hmm. with all the reporters? We need to have Derville and Clore nose to nose, just psyching each other out, <laughs> tipping over hurdles, slagging off Ikea. Get into our head. <laughs> it's definitely worth doing. I think we need as well, like, songs to walk out to. Like, yes. Aggressive. Like, I would walk out to Kanye West, Jesus Walks. Wow. That's what I would choose. And <laughs> she would probably come out to some folklore, Swedish lovely song. That's what we all just love. Like, she's a proper <laughs> celebrity in Sweden. Like, she won that, like, you know, their version of Sports Personality of the Year. I remember she won that the year again. She beat me to another uh, European outdoor title in 06. And she won... And I walked into a stadium and they were all chanting her name. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're a fairly big star here yourself with Fittest Family. We're going to get to that in a minute. But Ray, I want, I'm fascinated to ask you about, you know, the, obviously the term frenemy, just to look into that a little bit. Was there anyone who you ever played against well, or, or even with 
that you didn't get on during your playing years, but suddenly after you found yourself actually quite good friends? Um, no, not really. I, I, I was trying to be as friendly as, as possible. I was, I was always a winner on the pitch. I wanted to win. I hated losing. You know, and I, but after a match, I'd shake someone's hand and if they beat us and say, well done, through gritted teeth, you know, and a little bit of a forceful handshake as well, as I said, well done to them. But overall, no. I mean, the only one I really got into a bit of trouble with was Graham Souness, and that was when he was the manager of Liverpool and uh, he was coming in there for a new contract and what I thought I was worth and what he thought I was worth was completely different. Yeah, well off the page. So you wouldn't well be the first the man to have an argument with Graham Soonis either. Um, he, no, he picked you know a few angles. And then he came to work at RT and then I seen him. And off, do you know what? When he's just a pundit or just a, you know, just a normal human being and not a manager, he's actually a very nice fella. <laughs> uh, but I think when, he, when he's in the management game, he was absolutely crackers. What so about, he's, he's what about within your own team, whether it was Liverpool or Ireland or any of your clubs, I've always wondered, like, famously there was... Andy Cole and Teddy Sheringham at Manchester United just never spoke. They they had they literally could not stand to be in the same room with each other. But yet played together on the pitch for years, won everything. Was there anybody at Liverpool? It doesn't even have to be you, but were there two players at any of your clubs or Ireland or whatever who just they just didn't get on? But on the pitch, they had to be the friend part. But in real life, they were enemies. No, I, once again, I'll come back to you. I was very fortunate at, at Liverpool. Like they made arguments, you know, and we had a few fights off the pitch with each other as well, but. Um, I wouldn't say it was good humoured all the time, but it was forgotten about instantly. You know, we, we liked to, to be in each other's company. For example, with the Republic of Ireland, you know, when we went out after a game, so there was 22 of us in the squad and there was two goalies. 20 of us would go out and the two keepers would stay in and do their notes in the next game and who was going to be on the post, who was going to be the penalty taker. They weren't really up for the going out and have a good time and a few <laughs> drinks for the rest of the lads. They were a little bit more sombre and sitting in, <laughs> sitting in the room and going through... Imagine being professional and not going for points. <laughs> um, what are these well, people? So, so, some would call it professional, others would call it something else. Listen, we had a great time. We used to love going out in each other's company with the Irish team. Well, and, talk about that know, for a second, because obviously, famously, we are the biggest rivals in the world is England and Ireland. And Ray, you know you can't go through life every five minutes somebody shouts, who put the ball in the English net? <laughs> Ray has to say, I did. <laughs> There's that famous video on the cars, one of my favourite videos. Oh, of all thank time. you. But, yeah. um, but what about that? I mean, look, you know, the, the rivalry between us and England, it transcends everything. It's in every sport. If Ireland beat England in tiddlywinks, it's headline news. You know what I mean? So when you did score against England, was, were there any repercussions when you went back to play in the English game? No, well, listen, there was a lot of banter between the England players and the Irish players before we played the game. You know, after the season had finished at Liverpool, we just won the league. We just lost the FA Cup final to Wimbledon. There we were going over to, you know, Germany to play in this massive tournament. The first one that Ireland had qualified. We've got a really tough group. You know, we've got England, we've got uh, the Dutch and we've got Russia. So there was, you know, very tough teams in there. But England was always... When England go into your tournament, it's not, you know, how well would they do it? They're going to win it. Yeah. You know, then that was the pressure that was on them. So the banter flying around between the likes of Peter Baisley, John Barnes, with John Aldridge and Ronnie Whelan and myself, you know, it was great. It was fearsome at times, you know, and what they were going to do to us and they're going to run <laughs> ring around us and then we said we're going to smash them into the challenges. <laughs> when we went into the game, you know, it was, it was a really hot day, you know, where England being England and they've got all the... Yeah, creative players, but we had a game plan and 
Jack Charlton, you know, made us feel tense to, to all going into that game. He really believed in us. And he said, look, listen, I fancy us to win today. I've got to be honest with you, I don't know if we all believe that. <laughs> we sort of went, no, maybe, you might be right. But then that obviously got to the, the great start with my goal after six minutes. And I remember Jack saying to me after the game, don't you ever do that again. And I thought he meant to score against England because him being a former England yeah. player. And he said, no, that early. He says that was the longest 84 minutes. In my life. <laughs> <laughs> Got to keep English out for that long. Yeah, Derville, let's talk Ireland's fittest family. It's back in our screens. Um, the rivalries are very strong in there. you got your other coaches. you got Davy Fitz, Donald O'Callaghan, Anna Geary. Um, I heard that, you know, Donald O'Callaghan is, puts, sells himself as this, you know, nicer than pie, up for the crack, one of the lads. But actually... It, is it true that he's actually quite sly and, and plays mind games on that show? Yeah, that's, I mean, straight away when you're just talking frenemies, I think of Dunners because, <laughs> like, like, when I, so when I was a professional athlete, it was like 06, 07, around the time where Munster were having like those golden years. I'm from Cork, so I was all about that, that Munster Leinster rivalry, you know, just, I was so into it. And, um, we myself and Donners are, are genuine friends like and um, we know each other so long and we'd be filming Fittest Family and no joke he's turned around to me at the bottom of a ramp deadly serious without missing a beat and going you're being very Leinster oh wow excuse me and he's just like I'm just gonna say that I'm just and then then you're about to go and race and I'm like what did you mean by that what did, like you know how deep <laughs> that goes if you're from Munster yeah like, why would you call me that and like yeah, he also one day told me I was being very England after oh. I beat him and something. He was like, but it was very England. I mean, excuse me? So, um, we, need, we need to actually let the nation know Just he's not that sound. Like, yeah. <laughs> yes. Let's, let's make it official here. Um, yeah. But I, that reminds me of, you know, around about that time, Munster fans were so cocky in the late noughties that no. as soon as we got the Heineken Cup started, we bought tickets for the final. <laughs> and what I think now... I would say, how... I, I would say belief. belief. Yeah, right. but it was that certainty of belief. Like, there, I mean, it was like Real Madrid fans don't... Like, <laughs> normal teams don't do that. We were like, no, Monster, Red Army, stand up and fight. Give us the final tickets now. The rest is a formality. And I remember, of course, that fateful year in 2009... When oh. it was Leinster ended up in the Heineken Cup final. Who had tickets for that? I had tickets yes, for you that. Did. And I ended up in Edinburgh. You were there I, too. No, <laughs> yes, I did. We, we offloaded our tickets, but I also had tickets because that was the vibe, wasn't it? Well, we went, look, we're sports fans. My brother was de is determined to go. He, he's, he's a bit more Leinster than Munster, although you'd hate to hear me saying that. Mm -hmm. But the worst slagging was I went to the match we came back and then my own friends who are staunch Munster fans, obviously being Limerick people, started saying that now I follow Lunster. <laughs> now I'm somewhere in between. Ray, we spoke about the, uh, the English rivalry. Do you get hassle in chippers from Italians for scoring against them in the USA 94? Yeah, but listen, it, it, it's great still to be noticed at my age, I've got to be honest with you. <laughs> you know, when you do events and the little kids come up and you have to say to them, you have to go and, you know, like Google me or go to YouTube and fill back and write back then. This is who you are. Um, but it's nice for people still to recognise you. Yeah, and, and there are a few places you still go into. And in England, you don't get noticed as much. You know, I, I live in London. 
Uh, not in Liverpool. When you got to Liverpool, it's a little bit different. But mm. yeah, you still get remembered. And even when you go to America, there's it's funny enough. There's a lot of uh, Irish and Italian fans mm. that still remember when you know you, go, you when your name's mentioned that you're in the area and people want to come and meet you and have a chat. Yeah. And I remember when you scored that goal, and it's great to be remembered for something that uh, gave so much pleasure to everyone back back home. Yeah, now. well, that's the thing that both of you have done. You've you've given so much pleasure, and isn't sport a wonderful job? That when you finish, you know, and your body says, you know what, I think we'll we'll park it here now for a while. <laughs> Is, isn't it an amazing career that you can then go on and and it, what you've achieved can can start kickstart other careers and look at everything that you guys have done since. I mean, it doesn't happen when you're an accountant, you know. Or a radio presenter. Yeah. We're, we've, we've beaten the English and won the world finals of radio. And look at us, we're still here. But no one goes, hey, hey, you know, great sp spreadsheets back in 94. Like, <laughs> no one does that. So, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're acutely aware of just how, you know, how, how much joy you give us. But also then in return, you know, once you hang up your boots or your, your, track, your running shoes, you know, that there's so much there for you after it yeah it, yeah it a hundred percent like I remember I remember retiring and I also I never felt like running was a job even though it really was my job for 14 years I never felt like it it felt like it just felt like it was a laugh a lot of the time because it really was and also that I've been kind of invited to this real exclusive party that I got to be part of it. It was hard, but it never felt like a job. And then remember when I retired and I was trying to figure out what to do, people were so genuinely sound and kind, I would say. So like when I when I launched my my business, like my online business, Durable.e, I remember I was so worried about it. I had such imposter syndrome. I was like, oh, this isn't good enough. That's not good enough. And loads of things were really brilliant on it. Loads of things needed work. But the community on there have always been really supportive. And it's funny, I would think a huge amount of that is that kind of love you get from your career where they're like, OK, we know how hard she worked at that. She's working hard at this and let's support. Let's go. Along. I think they go along with you for the ride and the journey, which is something I could only probably say now, eight years out the other side. Um, you don't I never expected it. I never expected them to keep supporting me in the different phases and the different things mm. I would do. But it definitely happens. And it's quite lovely, to be honest. And I'm a bit like, I'm not that emotional. Like, and, But when people say nice things, I get a little bit like, God, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but look, I'm comfortable about it. Both of you deserve all the accolades. You've given us so much. Uh, Ray Houghton, Derval O'Rourke, thanks so much for joining us uh, on the Best of Frenemies. And hopefully we'll get to talk soon. Best of Frenemies with Dermot and Dave. With thanks to Heineken. Enjoy Heineken responsibly. Get the facts. Be drink aware. Visit drinkaware.ie. I oh, love talking to Ray and Derville. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You're listening to the best of Frenemies with Dermot and Dave. With thanks to Heineken, it's the podcast that explores the fun side of sporting rivalries throughout the years, but also some other very cool stuff. Yeah, this is Club Classic, where we take a look at a sports club around the country who's doing something different and interesting in the community and making a big difference. And we're joined now by James Flanagan from Bohemians FC here in Dublin. James, your title, I'll, I'll try and get it right. You're the Disability and Social Inclusion Access Officer. There you go. You got it in one. I, Fair play. Honest, I, wrote, I wrote that down. Have you not turned it into an, an acronym at least? Yeah, just to... Can you shorten that one? Da, da CEO. Yeah, yeah. something in there. It yeah. needs work. Yeah. But look, that's an incredibly important role. 
Uh, Bohemian's football club uh, seemed to just really be head and shoulders above everybody else in terms of social inclusion, initiatives to bring more people in, have more people represented it. Why is Bo so um, so good at this? And uh, why do you guys feel so passionate about it? Uh, well, cheers for having us on, guys. First and foremost, lovely to meet you. Um, mm. I suppose being 100% members owned, and we have been for over 130 years, we always came from the community and our strength is derived in the community. So our thoughts are we always must give back to the community in any way we can. Um, we do this through obviously doing stuff with people with a disability, be it physical or intellectual. We work with um, older adults doing walking football programs. We give artists a platform um, through our match day posters and we also have a poet. Um, we work are you with the only club with your own poet? I think we are in Ireland anyways. Yeah, well, there's a big claim. I'm not too sure is there anyone else now at this stage. Yeah. There is a few poems coming from other clubs and stuff like that, but right. we've our own poet and he's and John Cummins is very, very good um, <laughs> at what he does. It's fantastic. Um, and it's just giving people a platform. We have a we have a climate justice officer, Sean McCabe, who works in climate action. It's really, really important. Um, and then we have an integration program called the Football Unites Programme. It's a program in our youth section where we bring children from a non-Irish background and we integrate them into our youth section from the local Fibsborough community in Dublin 7 area. And we pay for them to be involved in the, in the youth section for a year. And hopefully by that stage, they feel more included in the community. And uh, they, they take play for Bows then from then on. Yeah, and, and like you don't just do that, as you said, in some like local community way with kids. I mean, for example, uh, was it this, was it the Away Kit? Wasn't it the 2019, 2020 season was the Refugees Welcome Kit? I have it, proudly wear it at home. I'm a Bose fan, I should declare that now. Um, <laughs> but, but that kit was really important. I felt that it, it gave a kind of um, a signal to all football fans that there was a club that was doing something that wasn't political. It, it, was, it was human, the, what, what Bowls were doing. Like, Absolutely, yeah. Look, we have a guiding principle that we could use football as a force for good in society. And uh, we try and do that as best we can through the actions that we talk about. Like teaming up in Am Amnesty in 2019. Last or This season, we've teamed up with Focus Ireland with the Fontaines away jersey. Yep. Sold massive amount of t-shirts all over the world. Um, got a text uh, from a friend in Australia who said he, he bought it just because he loves the Fontaines. And he said, this is senior link with Bose. And he said he had to get it. So it's reaching far, far greater than we ever would imagine. But it's doing the right thing. And uh, we believe in that by our, with our good mm. social justice kind of issues as well. Yeah. Well, talk to us about the first Special Champions League and your involvement in that. This just sounds incredible. Yeah, so we're a member of the EFDN, which is the European Football Development Network. It's about social justice issues. So there's... Um, hundreds of professional football clubs across Europe, FAs and leagues involved in this. And we've been a member for a couple of years. Um, we got invited to take part a month ago in an email to take part in the very first Special Champions League. And we got this email and we're going, oh my God, like this is huge. Like yeah. to take part in the very first one as well. Um, but we didn't have a, a, a team. So we don't have a football for all team at the minute. We're currently trying to form one. Mm. And, and just explain football for all for people who may not be familiar so, with that. Yeah, yeah. So what football for all is, is a, is a football team for those with an intellectual disability. It's non-competitive, it's fun, and it gets everyone involved and it gives everyone a chance to play football. Mm -hmm. um, so we were in the process of doing that where a youth section and through my role as well, we were working together. And this will really kickstart it. So we seen this opportunity and we went, right, we got to have a go with this, don't we? Um, so we had a month. We had no players, so okay. we had to try and gather some players uh, together from all over Ireland um, 
who'd never met us or, or had an experience with bows before. Um, so we it put sounds a call like out. the start of the Expendables that movie. You know where they, you go out <laughs> recruiting your crack team and just rocking up in your van and saying, "Hey, do you want to play football? Let's go!" <laughs> do you know what? We're better than that now at this stage. The team we've got together now at this stage. But, yeah. Um, yes, we put a call out to St Michael's House and to Down Syndrome Ireland because it's for uh, the, the tournament itself is for children between ten and eighteen who have Down syndrome or a hidden intellectual disability. So we reached out and. Um, to the local branches around Ireland and we gathered a team together of nine players. So we have children from Galway, Leitrim, Mead and Dublin taking part in this. And when is it going to happen? It is happening this Saturday. So we're yeah. flying out on wow. Friday. Um, and we never met these kids, uh, never had them together. We came together three weeks ago in DCU. DCU is a fantastic um, sponsor and supporter of Bose and the first team trained there. Mm. We were really, really lucky to get uh, the training facilities uh, and actually use the first team dressing room as well. So Keith Long literally wow. let us get the first team dressing room for the players. But for these um, kids, it must oh, be phenomenal. Like, uh, like incredible. a couple of weeks ago, they had no idea. Now they're playing in the Champions League. For Bose, yeah. yeah. Representing Ireland. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's so just, great. It's, it's amazing. And we're so proud to be able to, to have these, or to represent Ireland, but we're so proud to have these kids represent Bose and to wear our colours yeah. and to give them their opportunity because often in society, um, someone with a disability is often forgotten about and we're so proud to represent them and for them to represent us, um, it's really, really good. Yeah. Well, um, as we said at the start, Bohemians are, are just really pioneers in this area, certainly in Ireland, and, and I think it'll be a massive inspiration uh, to other clubs around the country. Um, it would be rude to have you on here, the best of frenemies, and not talk about rivalries with you, know, with you and other teams. I mean... Who well, is, there's only one team. Who's the big rival with Bose? The League of Ireland Electricity Champions, Shamrock Rovers. Yeah, Shamrock yeah. Rovers, yeah, yeah. It's painful, but what's that? that's, that's two in a row now, isn't it? It is, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah as you can see, James doesn't want to talk about this. He's <laughs> the best of frenemies. Look, congratulations, the Rovers are a fine team and they've done very well for a couple of years now. Um, are, is anyone going to catch them? That's like, come, come the next season, I mean... Yeah, well, we would hope that the league will be stronger as well next year. You know, we've when in terms of bows, we've got a very, very good young squad, and mm. um, where we've had four player of the months this in the last four in a row of player of the months, we've got three under twenty one international players. We've got the the league's top goal scorer. We're in a cup final on the twenty eighth of May, yeah. um, or twenty eighth of uh, November. November. Apologies yeah. about that. And there's already sixteen thousand tickets sold. Uh, Dave forgot to buy his ticket. Uh, <laughs> I did. I'm just on the We just some bows. Like, it was so great off air. He goes, uh, James says, "Have you got your tickets? Oh, getting it tomorrow." We went. They went on sale today. Dave. Oh, right. I am. I am fair weather at best. <laughs> I'll be honest. Got I, I, I did see the best thing I've ever seen in football. Is sitting in the Jody stand. Okay, so. It was uh, it was a cup game. It was Bowes against. It might have been like a club like Lusk, someone from North County Dublin. And obviously, Bowes were going to beat this team. They were, f you know, far superior, and it was happening. And this was in maybe two thousand and two or two thousand and three. And the, one of the Bowes, one of the Bowes players was getting dogs abuse from the sideline. Of the, the 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 opposition fans were coming down to close to the ground. The Jody Stand sits right down there, and you can get really close. And one of them had his program, and he, he was waving his program, and, and the, there was a throw-in. And the fellow was kind of looking at him going, what, what are you saying? And he threw the program at him. <laughs> so he picked up the program, and he walked, and we were all, everyone in the stand was like, what's going to happen? And he reached over and said, have you got a pen? As if your <laughs> man wanted him to sign his program. And it was the perfect, absolutely perfect put down for that poor look. Steam coming fan. out of that fan's oh, ears. It was so brilliant. 
Uh, but look, James, as Dermot said, what Bose do in the community makes me very proud to be a Bose fan. I will get my ticket to the FAI Cup final as soon as this interview is done. Um, and I'm bringing my two boys. Their first ever Bose game will be amazing. the FAI amazing. Cup final. Yeah, so fantastic. Be amazing. Uh, thanks for coming in. Thanks for sharing it with us. And best of luck in uh, the Champions League. The special Champions League is going to be absolutely amazing. Thanks a million. And a lot of our players listen to you guys as well. So they're very excited to be uh, hearing that they're going to be talking to them. So if you want to give them a big shout out, they'd absolutely really? love it. All the boys um, at Bose. Fair yeah, play boys and girls playing there, yeah. yeah. I hope we inspire you every day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we better give you your, your acronym again, just so people, we sort of got to start building this. Yeah, definitely. This is James Flanagan, the De, 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 De Sayo. There you go. De Sayo. De, nailed yeah. it. Perfect. James, thanks a million. Cheers, guys. Thanks for having us. Best of Frenemies with Dermot and Dave. With thanks to Heineken. Enjoy Heineken responsibly. Get the facts. Be drink aware. Visit drinkaware.ie. It's Best of Frenemies with Dermot and Dave with thanks to Heineken and time for our Who Knows Their Sport quiz. Yeah, this is very important because all the rivalries and everything are great. You know, it's all a bit kind of hard to comprehend. The, The league, the cup, the championship. What about for real people? What do you want? A 65 inch full HD television and a hundred quid to spend in your favorite takeaway to watch all the sport. Uh, yes, Thanks. thank you. Yeah, more ooze than yeah, that. Yes, our so. studio audience of two. Thank you, COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Let's meet our contestants. We've got Andy and me, then Paul Connell from Wexford. Hey, lads. Hello, lads. How are you? Not bad at all. How are hey, you man. guys? Andy, what's going on? Not much, lads. Just in the door. Just in the door. What were you doing Busy all day? day. Working. Standing outside the door. <laughs> um, are you... Uh, Trying so to get in, they wouldn't let me in. <laughs> you're a sports fan. Who's your team? What's your sport? Man U. Yes. In Dublin. I'd like to hear it, Andy. Man U in Dublin. Dublin. All right. And what about you, Paul? Oh, of course, it's Man United as well. Who is it? So there's no rivalry. We're all yeah. best friends. Well, hang on. He's we're a the wek- friend part of frenemies. <laughs> <laughs> Four best yeah. friends. Not the enemies. <laughs> yeah, what about GAA? Well, what about, you must be a Wexford fan, Paul, are you? Oh, obviously, yeah. Look, we haven't had, we've had our fair share of bad luck and good luck, but hopefully things will get better. Are you glad Davey's gone or sad he's gone? Oh, tough question. Um, <laughs> you, you don't want Davey no, to hear he, you. He'd be around. <laughs> he'd be, he'd be shouting in your letterbox. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, things are still are, are still looking up in the county, aren't they? In terms of uh, you know of how Wexford are doing. Yeah, no, especially at club level, it's very competitive. Even you know, Wexford kind of gets forget about the fact that it is. It's but it's both codes, so it's football in Ireland. I know yeah. in the last few years, I mean, it's mostly been Ireland, but. Yeah, club level nowadays very strong. Well, that's another reason why you, right you and Andy can't really beat each other's throats. I mean, a Dubs fans obviously focus mostly on football, and no extra fans focus mostly on hurling. So yeah, there's no enemies involved at all. Get get better enemies next time, Sean. Hang on a sec. You guys are rivals for a 65 inch telly. I mean, that's it. Doesn't get much more heated than that. <laughs> no, you're right. Right, we're going to fire some questions at you. Um, it's a very complicated quiz, in that whoever gets the most right wins. Okay? Whoa, slow down. Explain that again. Whoever <laughs> yeah. gets the most 
Well, okay. just go to our website. All the instructions are there. <laughs> okay, we've got a 65-inch HDTV to give away and a 100-euro voucher to get your favorite takeaway in for whatever game it is you want to watch. And boys, if you're both Man United fans, fingers crossed it'll be the way for Champions League. We'll get out of that group and get ourselves into some knockout games where Cristiano Ronaldo will do the job for us. Okay, here all we go. Th- Sorry, I should say, all thanks to Heineken. Andy, you're up first, and your first question is this. What Premier League ground has the biggest capacity? Um, Old Trafford, is it? That is correct. <laughs> A lot of people mightn't be aware of that, but um, Old Trafford, obviously yeah. Manchester United's home ground, can hold 75,000 people sitting down. The annoying thing was, when Spurs were waiting on their stadium to be built, which only has 65,000 capacity, they played in Wembley, and then they broke all records. Like, the most people in a Premier League game was no longer Man United. Stupid Spurs. Oh, they were anyway, just they were just borrowing. The place. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Paul, your first question. Which footballer scored the, scored the most goals in World Cup history? Not Pele, anyway. Nope. Go Pele. <laughs> I said no. No, it's the German Miroslav Klose was the correct uh, answer to that one. That is great. No um, <laughs> Andy, your next question. Who is yeah. the only Premier League player who has played in all 21 seasons of his career? In the Premier League? Mm-hmm. Yes. Of his career, yeah. Um, Jesus, that's a tough one. Um, Five. Frank Lampard? Four. No, no. Frank Lampard's not right. Manchester United fans should get this. It's Giggsy. It was Giggsy. Oh, Giggsy played in all 21 seasons that he was uh, a footballer. He played for Manchester United in the Premier League. Amazing. Right, Paul, chance to catch up here. Uh, who was the top scorer in the 2019-2020 Premier League season? Salah, Mo Salah. Mo Salah is wrong. Yeah. It was Jamie Vardy. Hard luck. Okay, Andy, what colours are the five Olympic what? rings? Um, yellow. Yes. Green. Yes. Red. Yes. Blue. Yes. And... Is it black? Yes, yeah! black! Yeah! Uncle nice I don't think I would have known that. No. You can kind of see them in your mind, but you don't know what all the colors are. Yeah. Okay, speaking of the yeah, Olympics, no, no, Paul. That's exactly what I don't. Yeah. <laughs> speaking of Olympics, Paul, your question is, which 2012 Olympic event recorded the loudest crowd noise of 114 decibels? Three guys, that's some question. Oh, no, no. The 100 meter? No, it was an indoor event. It was Katie Taylor actually fighting in London 2012. All right, look. Okay. How could you not know that? I'm going to come around and box the head off you now for not knowing that. Andy, do you know what? This question yes. is to win uh, the Don't telly. put the pressure on me, Dave. It's, this no is pressure. it. This is a big one. Andy, pressure's for tyres. You've got this. This is stepping up now in the Champions League final to take that penalty in the 97th minute. Come on, Cristiano. <laughs> let's do it. Here we go, Andy. In which sport could someone be found at silly point? I'll say that again, a silly point. Silly point, yeah. In which sport could someone be found at silly point? Oh, 
We need an answer. Hockey? Hockey. No, it was cricket. Paul, you're still in the game. Right, come on. Which sport involves tucks and pikes? A tuck and a pike. <laughs> Three, two, one. Give us a sport. What? Fishing. Fishing. <laughs> no, there are definitely pikes and fishing, not tucks. The correct answer is diving. I'm afraid you've managed to not get enough answers. Andy, you are the winner. Oh, uh, you can celebrate with some battered tuck and pike tonight. <laughs> Paul, hard luck. Uh, best of luck to Wexford and, of course, to Manchester United. Uh, Andy, congratulations. You just got your hands on a 65-inch full HD TV. Fabulous, A €100 Euro voucher to get your favourite takeaway in for the game. We'll have you all set to watch Manchester United in the UEFA Champions League. All thanks to our friends at Heineken. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, guys, that's it from the Best of Frenemies podcast uh, this time round. Stay tuned for more fantastic guests and more crack. All thanks to Heineken. We'll talk to you soon. Good luck. Best of Frenemies with Dermot and Dave. With thanks to Heineken. Proud sponsor of Heineken Champions Cup and official partner to UEFA Champions League. Enjoy Heineken responsibly. Get the facts. Be drink aware. Visit drinkaware.ie.